I'll tell them, hey, I'm going to be at the mile and this is what I'm going to ask you. And here are three potential responses that are, you know, one word responses so that, you know, because they're running and they can't have a conversation. Um, and their response to, you know, my question or whatever I'm saying will influence the advice I give them moving forward. Yeah, it, it's much bigger than just running and whoever has the fastest PR coming into the race automatically wins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. During our back-to-school week, and if you're listening to this live, it was you know, a couple weeks ago, one of my co-workers, Chris Riley, uh, told me about how he was down in the Bay Area, down in California at one point this past summer. And while there, he ordered an Uber, and after a while, he and the Uber driver started talking, and it turns out the driver was also a teacher. Their conversation turned to coaching, obviously, and then on to states and then on to schools. And when the driver heard Riley say South Salem High School, his eyes lit up and he revealed that he listens to this podcast, whose host, me, is a coach at South Salem High School. So what a small world and a really cool moment for all of us. You just never know who your conversations might reach. And this platform has allowed us to now have 70 conversations with this episode that have helped coaches all across the country and world, none more so than me. Uh, just amazing stuff, and I can't thank all of you enough for being on this journey with me. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by the new head cross country and track and field coach at McNary High School, just up the road from me in Kaiser, Oregon. His name is Josh Christensen, and you'll notice a number of connections between Josh and other phenomenal coaches we've had right here on this podcast in some previous episodes. In this conversation, Josh dives into what it's like winning a national championship, then turning around one sleep later for his first day as head coach in the Celtics program. He takes us through his experiences that led him here, including a really impressive run at Columbia River up in Washington. It's an honor to have him on with me today, as he's one of the bright young minds in the running world. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 70 with Josh Christensen. All right, awesome. Josh Christensen, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, sure thing. Looking forward to it. Yeah, very cool. It's it's fun to have local guys around um, and on. Obviously, um, you are you know from around here and and being back here, and um, I think it's a pretty cool deal to to anytime we get local people on, and um, also kind of another connection through this podcast was Eric Detman, who's the he was back on episode seven um, from Lincoln High School, which is an hour or so up the road from us, and I know you had a chance to to be up there at Lincoln. And so just kind of really cool to have an opportunity to have a local guy on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another fun connection is uh, I worked under Don Berger for a season as well. So did you really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He is, is probably, I, and I've shared this with him. He's probably one of the most influential coach that I've encountered in my career. Um, we only worked together for a few months, but it was, he, he caught me at the right time and kind of changed the way I look at things, which was, Super special to catch him on your podcast. How? What was one of the things that he changed for you? So I was I was fresh out of college. It was my first coaching job out of college. And uh, I'd coached a little bit while in college, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I got to be around him. And just the passion that he brought, the fact that he'd been doing it for decades, and it just it inspired me. Like I could actually make this a part of my career forever versus kind of a fun hobby for, you know, part of my 20s. 
Well, he's, you know, he'd been doing it forever. And then, I mean, like forever, like he's like decades, like longer than some people live. He'd been coaching track. And then, you know, he stepped away and we did the podcast together. And, and since then my wife's uh, brother runs cross country. So we go to cross country meets sometimes. And uh, we just happened upon one at Bush Park here in Salem one time uh, recently. And wouldn't you know it, but North Salem High School's running and there's Don Berger out there as an assistant coach. He just can't get away from it still. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he, so he's still coaching. I don't know if you know this. He's no, he's no longer coaching cross at North. He's out at Western Christian, um, which is a really fun story. His daughter teaches and coaches out at Western. So he's assisting his daughter right now. And his, um, his daughter's son is on the team. So there's three generations of burgers out there right now. It's crazy. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of track years under him. And I'm sure there's, an insane like map of, of like network of coaches who've coached under him like yourself. Um, so let's go back, uh, kind of start back at your own like high school experience. What was your athletic experience like in high school? It was, um, I went to a small school. It's called Salem Academy. Uh, I played, um, I played some football, played some basketball, ran some track. Uh, I didn't even run cross country. We didn't have a cross country program in high school. And um, even weirder than that on the track, I was a sprinter. So I was like a hundred, 200 meter guy. Um, the 400 was a distance run for me. He had to really convince me to run a four by four. <laughs> um, the 200 was my jam. I had a lot of fun. I got to go to state a few times and, uh, I was, I kind of described myself as like, I was small school. Good. Um, I was going to high school at the same time as Ryan Bailey was going to high school at McKay right down the street. And after I'd, you know, I'd win a race. And I look in the paper the next day to see if there was anything about me, and it was it was Ryan Bailey's face in the paper, um, of course. which which works. I mean, he made an Olympic final eventually. He deserved that attention. But uh, that that was my high school experience. So I got to say it a few times that I wasn't. Yeah, again, I was small school good. Um, I I ran my freshman year uh, at a local school called Corbin, and it just uh, it didn't go well. I got hurt. Uh, scholarship didn't work out for the second year, and I ended up transferring and. Actually, I ended up giving up on track at that point. I, had a, I, I didn't have a positive experience uh, in that in that at that point in time. So I I uh, went to Chemeketa, didn't have a track program, and uh, my high school coach called me up and said, "Hey, I want you to, to coach. Like I heard you're you know you're not running right now." I said, "No way. Like I'm I'm done. I quit track. I'm I'm not doing this." And I'm you know I'm all of nineteen at this point. And uh, he persisted. He got me out. I, I coached, I was the head sprint coach for the track team for a couple of years and uh, I found some success pretty quickly, um, but I've learned it was on accident. I didn't really know what I was doing, but my first year, uh, our boys four by one won a state championship and I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty easy. Uh, my first year doing this and I win a state championship, I could do this. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't as easy in year two and um I've been fortunate enough to win a few championships since, but it, it uh, didn't come as easy as that first one. Um, yeah, they, they don't always come very easily. <laughs> There's some guys no, who like no. their whole career, you know, they get 60 years in and they don't win a single one. So pretty right. cool you got yeah. early on. <laughs> yeah, it was super fortunate. Um, it's a, it was a cool tradition in Oregon too, probably in other places. But when your athlete or your team wins a state championship, you get to present the medals to all the other teams. And so there's a funny picture of, you know, me presenting the medals and I look like all the other kids there because I'm, you know, I'm a year older than them, two years older than them. Uh, but it was, yeah, neat experience. Uh, so so I did two years. Oh, okay. what's that? Keep going. No, keep going. You're good. Okay. So I, I did two years there. I, you know, relearned. I love this sport and I, I want to give it another chance. I still had some eligibility left. So I, I ended up moving down to California, uh, transferred to a school called Westmont College down in Santa Barbara. And uh, I ran there for a few years and that's where I kind of converted into a distance runner. I, um, I went down as a sprinter, uh, some of the same injuries that were, had been bugging me toward the end of high school and the first year of college crept back. And, uh, you know, coach sat me down and said, Hey, I, he was really gentle about it, but he's like, Hey, I don't, I don't know that this sports for you anymore. Um, like your, your body's not doing so well and you're not able to handle the, you know, the intensity, the explosive nature of sprinting. And uh, I'm brand new to this school. I had just some life stuff happened um, ju- immediately prior to this. I like I just lost my mom. I just you know exited a long term relationship, and I'm brand new to this school where I don't know anybody um, other than the track and field team. And so I asked him. I said, "Hey, can I can I run distance?" 
like that. There's different stressors on the body. Like my hamstring should be fine. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. Like you're a distance runner, or you're sorry, you're a sprinter who wants to become a distance runner. And you're, you know, I'm like 20, 21 at this point. And he's like, sure. I'm like, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Like you're, if you're willing to put the work in, he'll, you know, I'm willing to put the time in. And so I kind of converted to a, a distance runner at that point in time. I was, I was on the sprint side. I was like 400, 800. Um, but I also ran cross country and uh, just fell in love with uh, distance running, uh, the culture of it, the everything about it. And so I, I pursued running after college, did road races, marathons, got into ultra marathons on the trails throughout you know mid to late twenties, and just explored all the sport had to offer. Um, I had a buddy in in uh, high school who went on to be an ultra marathon runner. So before you move on to the next part, there'll be some people who don't understand how insane that is can you just real quick give us an synopsis yeah. of what an ultra marathon is because it'll blow some people's minds i think sure yeah so loosely defined an ultra marathon is anything longer than a, a marathon uh marathon's 26.2 miles so i guess technically anything 26.3 miles or longer is an ultra uh some of the traditional distances are a 50 kilometer race 50 mile race 100 kilometer 100 mile um and I, I, I still haven't done 100K or 100 mile. Uh, I did a few 50 milers. I did a bunch of 50Ks, handful of 50 milers. And uh, I had a lot of fun in that community. It was, it was very, uh, it's different than the track and field world where you're really, you know, chasing splits and it's super competitive. And um, which is, there's beauty to that, of course, but it was just, it was very different and supportive. And you're just getting lost on the trails for hours and hours at a time. And finally, you know, you hear some, Here's some music playing around the corner and you get there. Then there's an aid station of people just stoked to see you and they don't even know you. They just know that you've been in the woods for hours and you probably <laughs> need some water. Uh, so it was, yeah, it's a cool environment. I, my, um, my wife and I, we ended up starting up our own ultra marathon race that we host in Salem each year. And it's, uh, even though I'm not running that type of distance anymore, um, or at least at this point in time, uh, we're, we're still loosely engaged with that community and it, I just love it. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's cool. The ultra marathon stuff is insane. Uh, it just <laughs> to people who don't run, especially it's it's out of this world. Um, so yeah, keep going. You, you get into long distance running, you make that transition. Keep going. Yeah. So I, gosh, this is gonna. I'm gonna kind of weave things in here. So I graduated college in 13, the spring of 2013, and um, I ended up working under Berger at North Salem in the spring of 2014. But there's uh, a little bit of backstory there too. So I, I, I went to Salem Academy. That's where Berger coached um, for years and won a whole bunch of championships when he was when he was coaching there. And when I was in high school, our track and field program was not particularly competitive. Um, as, as a team, like we never had a chance to win a team title. Um, I was never taught how to like keep score in a meet. Like that was never an emphasis. But and like I said, we didn't have cross country. But in our gym, there were all these banners, all these state championships that had been won in cross country, track and field, boys and girls for like the entirety of the 90s, late 80s, throughout the whole 90s. And, you know, I'd, I'd see these banners and think to myself, like, why, why did they used to be good? And why are we not good? Like, what's, what's the gap here? What's going on? Like, we're working really hard. And so I started asking, you know, the older teachers, the people who had been around for a while. And everybody said, oh, there was this great coach. There was this wonderful coach. Um, you know, his name's Don Berger. And I didn't know who this guy was. I just, I just knew of the name. I knew of the legend. And um, I mean, frankly, I was, I was annoyed. I was like, who is this guy? And why did he leave before I got here? Uh, we, <laughs> right. we missed each other by, it was like a four year span. So it wasn't even close. But um, so I, I always had this guy's name in the back of my mind, but I never really pursued like where he ended up. Where did he go? And so I, you know, go to, I go to Westmont, do the college thing. I come back up in summer of 2013 and uh, I find out he's coaching at North Salem. Uh, he had been there since 2000, but I didn't know that. And so I just kind of cold called him and said, Hey, I'd love to sit down and chat with you. Um, kind of told him that, that connection with seeing all the banners and whatnot. And he was nice enough to let me, you know, come chat with him. And we just sat down and talked running, talked some of my experiences, some of his experience and, and uh, by the end of that conversation, he offered me a job. And so I coached with him. I coached sprints with him uh, for just the spring of 2014. And um, he was the head, head coach of the track and field program. Specifically, he worked with the sprinters. And so I worked directly under him. And uh, like I said, that was an awesome experience. 
uh, from there, gosh, where'd my journey go? I think from there, I went back to Santa Barbara for a couple years. I ended up, um, I ended up teaching down there. I got my first teaching job at Dos Pueblos High School in Goleta. And when I was there, I, I didn't, I wasn't pursuing a head coach role, but like right when I came in, the previous head coach was going out and I didn't know him. I, I had no experience coaching, um, being a head coach before, but I learned that I was the head coach, uh, because somebody else told me I didn't even apply. I didn't know about it. The AD just started telling people, Hey, this guy, Josh, he is a runner. He's going to be our new head coach. Uh, so I just, I ended up with that role, um, on accident and, uh, it was scary, but it's, uh, I'm really glad I did it. I had a cool experience. Uh, that was a program that was used to having a lot of success. So it was already built for me. I just had to walk in and not mess things up, just kind of keep things moving forward. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot. I, I wish I you know could have that opportunity again, knowing what I know now. Um, but I got to learn a lot at that point in time. So I was there for two years. And then it was the end of 2016. My wife and I, we moved back up to Oregon. We settled in Portland. And uh, I started coaching in Vancouver, Washington. So just across the river. I was at Columbia River High School for three years uh, doing cross country and then distance on the track and field side of things. And kind of inherited a program that had a strong legacy. Um, but immediately prior to that, the you know, past three, four or five years, they didn't have much competitive success. And um, I was just the boys coach at, at Columbia River. And uh, I was, you know, got to build some excitement and grow the program, turn things around. That third year, we, we ended up winning the league, winning the conference, or sorry, winning the league, winning the district, going to state. We were in the hunt for a trophy and um, didn't work out for us. We got six that year, but it was, it was a special thing to be a part of. A um, handful of those kids are, are now running in college. And I, they, they, you know, they told me they wouldn't have otherwise. It wasn't something they would have pursued had it not been for that experience. So that's, that's a fun, fun thing to be a part of. From there, um, uh, there's a whole story as to why that ended. Basically, it was, you know, people in suits making decisions that uh, uh, didn't, I would suggest weren't in the best interest of kids. And so that, uh, that ended not by choice. It was kind of a bummer situation. And I, uh, I, I kind of describe it actually as one of the worst breakups I've ever been through. Uh, I dropped everything I could into that program and it's, uh, it just didn't work out. Um, still really close with a lot of the athletes and a lot of the families that were there, but, um, I was no longer the coach after that season. And, uh, I, I was just in a bummer spot mentally and, uh, you know, thought about leaving coaching and, you know, everyone around me is like, yeah, right. Like you're really into this. There's no way you're getting out of it. And, um, I already had planned to go to this coaching clinic. And so I went, um, it's in Colorado every January and some of the, the, the local, uh, coaches found out that I was no longer at river and, uh, throughout this clinic, it was, it was pretty fun. It was interesting because there was a handful of Portland folks there and they said, Hey, Josh, come coach here, come coach with us, come coach with us. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm done. I'm just going on this trip because it's already paid for Like I already had it booked and everything. And, uh, by the end of it, I was, you know, talked into coaching again and, you know, re fell in love with everything. And, um, that's when I ended up working with Eric at Lincoln. And, uh, that was, that was cool. That was like going to a clinic every day, working under somebody like that. We had a super strong staff, um, at, when I was at Columbia river, I was viewed on campus as like the ultimate runner. Cause I ran in college and, when I was at Lincoln, I was the the least accomplished runner. You know, they were all Division One runners, all Americans, uh, national champions, and so I got to just hear some of their stories, learn from them, and um, you know, got to be really close friends with all all the all of our staff there. And um, of course, we had some competitive success, and I got to be a part of some experiences that I wouldn't have otherwise. And um, yeah, it was it was just a, a special time, and. Uh, that ended, let's see, June 19th this year was uh, the last day of the national championship track meet. That was my last day as a Lincoln Cardinal. And then June 20th was a Monday. And uh, I was here at McNary leading a practice with a brand new group of kids. 
And uh, that's where I've been all summer. And um, we're, we're just starting our cross season. Yeah, and McNary, like I said earlier, really close by to where I am right now. Obviously, uh, Salem and Kaiser kind of go hand in hand, um, real close to each other. They're in the same league, um, all the Salem schools in McNary. So um, obviously, I'm pretty well versed in what McNary is all about in terms of what the school is and where it is. But uh, most people listening will have no idea. So if you could give like just a quick rundown, like where's McNary, what's McNary all about? Uh, and then, you know, why were you attracted to that program? Yeah, good. Good question. So yeah, Salem Kaiser, we're a school district, six high schools. Uh, Kaiser is immediately north, like you wouldn't know it's a different town except for the sign. Um, But also the community, it's interesting. So we're the only high school in Kaiser. um, Mm -hmm. And it it feels like having been here, I didn't know this growing up. I didn't grow up in Kaiser proper. I was in Salem, but it feels like a one high school town. Uh, Like everybody, everybody is invested in in McNary, like everybody in Kaiser. you know, just about like went to school here, super stoked on the school. Um, I mean, the street signs in town are, are blue, like our, like our school colors. Like it, it just definitely feels like a, a cool community. Um, the school itself, uh, it's, you know, we have 2,000, 2,100 students, something like that. Like that. It's uh, so it's on the larger side and um, very, uh, I guess it's a very proud school. Like they're, they're competitive in what they do, um, whether it's, um, you know, on the athletic side of things or, you know, chasing ec- excellence in the arts and, you know, everybody says it and I'm still new and I just, you know, went through all the new teacher training and whatnot, but uh, this place, it just feels different than other places I've taught at. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I don't, um, I guess I can't speak to a, a whole lot more because I'm, I start teaching next week. I haven't even met my students yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we all just finished. Uh, ironically, you know, this is the Friday that when we're recording this, the Friday before uh, school actually starts next week. So although you've been working with all your athletes and obviously you've, you're in season right now, you're, you've been getting after it. You just had your first meet uh, a few nights ago, um, but you haven't actually spent a single day in the classroom with students yet. So it's kind of a an interesting deal, you know, where I, you know, for baseball, it's a little bit different when people get hired you know, you, the school starts and then, you know, a few weeks later, you're allowed to start workouts and stuff like that. And so it's kind of a slow burn into it. But for you, obviously very different. What was it like coming in during the summer to a group of people and kids who really didn't know you? Man, it was, it was, it was weird. Uh, I think it was weird for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the program prior to me getting here was, uh, I'd suggest it, it just wasn't getting the attention that uh, that it deserves. Um, I'm I'm the third head coach in in three years uh, for this program, and uh, it there's been you know just a lack of competitive success, lack of um, I'd suggest just understanding what our sport's all about and what it has to offer. I um, so like for example, I, most of my team didn't even know how to score a cross country race. They didn't know that score was kept. They didn't know that there was a state championship meet. And uh, so I was coming in sharing goals of getting to state within within the next four years during this uh, OSA cycle that we're currently in. Hmm. And you know, I just got funny looks. Like it was it was a mix of like I didn't know that state existed. And the other half were like, I know it exists, but we don't belong there. That's not where, that's not what McNary does. And, um, so that was, that was definitely different, uh, for me. That was, um, just encouraging them, building them up. And we're still at the point where, you know, we're, we're not there. Like we're, we haven't gone to state yet. It's, it's, we're, and on paper, we, I don't know, I don't know that we should, but we're, we're building this belief and, um, getting kids excited. And with that, of course, they're starting to believe in themselves and, and run harder, run faster, all the things. And so things are, things are going to snowball. Things are going to work in a, in that direction. Um, but yeah, I guess to answer your question more, how, how was it coming in in the summer and not knowing anybody? It was, it was a culture shock of sorts. I, so that June 19th, when I was wrapping up the national track meet with Lincoln, it was a Sunday. It was my very last race, you know, coaching Lincoln kids. Uh, we, we had a boys four by one mile relay team racing down at Hayward Field in Eugene. And, uh, you know, so I woke up that morning where we're staying in a house down in Eugene. And, I'm, you know, I know it's my last day as a Cardinal, which is really weird. And uh, we go to the meet. Um, we knew we had a chance to be competitive. We knew we had a chance to mix it up. 
And we ended up having just a wonderful race, like tactically run what like run really, really well. And um we we came away as national champions. Like that was that's the first time I've ever been a part of something like that. So we win a national title, we're celebrating, we're having fun. And then the very next morning, I'm with a group of kids at McNary who doesn't even know a state meet exists. And so that was that was just crazy to me. Um but it's it's cool because it's a whole new group of kids. It's I, I get to share the love of running with them. And uh, like, for example, yesterday, we, we watched part of a, a video on Steve Prefontaine. And you know, it's, it's, it's classic. A lot of folks in my space, they've seen it a hundred times. And these students had never heard of Steve Prefontaine. And so just being able to be the one to deliver, um, you know, these stories and, and this connection to, to history, it's Running is bigger than our group. Running is bigger than our school, our city, our state. Like it's it's a just a beautiful activity that we get to share, you know, take part in. And uh, yeah, so that's that's one of the biggest changes. Um, I took a lot for granted coming in, coming from Lincoln, and um, now I, I feel like I kind of have my bearings. I know where we're at, and um, I'm still learning every day. Like that, I'm taking things from for granted a little bit. You know, kids are asking different questions about, you know, shoes or whatever else. And I have to remind myself, like, oh, that's that's on me. I, I, I should have taught that. You shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't have to be wondering about that. I should have already shared that. So, uh, yeah, those are the biggest differences for me so far. Pausing on McNary for a second, just going back. Um, it, Hayward Field is absolutely insane. Um, and <laughs> Uh, it's, I, I don't know if people from other sports can maybe grasp what that's like. Um, if they're, if they're not in the track and field world and they don't know about Hayward field, I don't know that there's something that compares to that for other sports in this country uh, that like high school kids would have access to, you know, if they did really well in their seasons, can you get into just like, what's Hayward field like for those who have no idea what that is? Yeah, I, um, I mean, obviously, I'm not the the authority on it or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, a historic space. It's on the campus of University of Oregon. Um, you know, they have a, a rich tradition in sport, just a beautiful legacy in track and field, cross country, uh, distances specifically, but also just track and field in general. So it's a track and field specific facility uh, that's been down there forever. A lot of history um, for decades and decades and decades. I had these, you know, old grandstands that people... Um, you know, old wood grandstands so people could stomp and stuff and people when runners were running by and it was just, you know, really electric, infectious energy. Um, whether it was, you know, some dual meet that Oregon was competing in or it was, you know, the Prefontaine Classic, which is a professional meet on the international circuit or, you know, U.S. Championship, Olympic Trials, whatever it is. Um, it was just a special, special place to run. And it, it uh, recently, it got to the point, so this was... She's 2018, 2019, somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere right before COVID. They, um, you know, they got the bid to host the World Championships. Um, it's supposed to have been in 2021, ended up moving to 22, and so they they tore down the whole facility and built up a, a like a world class stadium to kind of rival those that are um, on the European circuit. And um, there's there's nothing like it in the U.S. It's uh, it's been described. You know, some people call it the mecca of track and field or the Carnegie Hall of track and field or, um, you know, whatever uh, just iconic location uh, in whatever activity. It uh, it is all of that. Um, so the new the new stadium, I've been lucky enough to, to spend a handful of weekends down there. And just recently um, they host the Oregon Relays down there, which is a comp- really competitive high school meet. Our state championship meets there. Um the national championship meet there is there now for high schoolers. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a super cool, super cool place. Uh, track nerds will, will geek out. Um, I I'm looking forward to taking a group of McNary athletes there in the, the spring for, um, for Oregon relays and state, um, for, for a handful of them. And just, they'll, my hope is not that they'll geek out cause they, they still don't know the history yet. They're not as, uh, I don't know, as versing some of the, the people and the faces that you see all over the place there, but uh, just kind of be in awe of like, wow, our sport has this beautiful stage. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's hard to go watch a meet there and not just realize that you're watching something special. It's um, the energy is different now. And I know a lot of people have different feelings about how 
you know, it's shiny now and it used to be old and all the history and all of this, but it's just a beautiful facility. Yeah, it it's insane. Uh, and they held worlds there. My wife's brother um, went to them. He he just had his first cross country meet actually yesterday in college at George Fox um, up in Lake Oswego. And uh, he had a chance to go to worlds for a couple of days there and said it was pretty incredible. Um, but so, so diving back into McNary then, you know, you, you end up taking over the program, obviously kind of the weird thing from one night you're at nationals and the next night you've got this new program, you know, on your lap and like trying to figure things out with it. Um, with assistant coaches, what was your strategy? What'd you try to do, um, to kind of get that part taken care of? Because obviously assistant coaches are a huge part of, of any sport, but, um, in cross country and even more so in track and field, obviously, but we can get to that later. Um, focusing on cross country, what'd you do when you tried to figure out a, a coaching staff? Oh, great question. Uh, I love this question because I get to brag about my assistants. Um, so when I learned that there was a potential of this job opening, um, before, before talking to the, the school, before the application opened up, um, I, I made a call to the person who I, I wanted to be, to be my assistant. Um, his name is Michael Herman. He's, uh, he's a local. He grew up, grew up in Salem, went to North Salem high, had a lot of success in high school, coached there for a decade and really built those programs up. Um, his girls were always in the hunt for trophies at state and cross, um, boys, he had some individual state champions on the track. They, uh, he, he, as well as, as Berger and, and the rest of the staff in 2019, they orchestrated the single greatest performance in Oregon track and field history. And I don't think it'll ever be replicated at the yeah. 2019 state meet. They scored in every single event. Um, they had an all state athlete in every single event and they, you know, they, they won the championship obviously and all the things. So I had worked with him that season in 2014. So we, we became friendly. We didn't really know each other um, before that season, but we've stayed in touch ever since. And we've always talked about getting back together and, and building a program together. And the plan was for me to come home eventually and, and work with him at North. And uh, that never quite worked out. Um, I, I tried once. It didn't work out. But um, he, he stepped away from coaching, stepped away from education uh, to spend more time with family, started a business, and just kind of took things in another direction in his life. And so, um, you know, I saw an opening and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to pursue this, this job at McNary. Let's work together. Let's build this thing. And, uh, you know, he was, he was hesitant at first. He's, he's a North Salem guy. He's a, he's a Viking. He bleeds, you know, that red and black. And, uh, eventually, um, you know, through some, some conversations and picking each other's brains and, um, all of that, I got him on board and I'm just beyond excited to get to work with him every day. He's, uh, he knows the sport super well, particularly local history um, of the sport. And um, he's, he, uh, gosh, we complement each other really well in terms of the, the strengths that we bring to coaching. Uh, so I'm, uh, I would suggest that one of my greater strengths is uh, like the team, the culture side of things. Um, and I, I have some of the, the background in the sciences and, you know, how to design a training plan. And I feel confident enough in it. Um, but his side of things, he he studied the sciences. That's what he went to school for, and so he's he's just much has much more of a mind for that side of things. And interestingly enough, even though I'm the math teacher, he's our numbers guy. Like he can you know calculate the splits. He knows you know everybody's PR from you know the, the different meets and all the things. And um, so when I need to have something calculated real quick, or if I don't remember who did what, I just you know look over at him, and he's like yeah, it was this or it's that. And he just, you know, he's able to click that stuff off real quick. And so it's super fun to get to work with him and, and build this thing up. I think, uh, uh, hopefully he'd agree, but I think one of my favorite parts so far is uh, when we disagree with one another because we, it's, you know, it's always super respectful and we, we learn from each other different perspectives. I both really respect where each other's coming from, but we also have different ideas on how to accomplish certain things. And there have been times when I'll draw up a workout and he'll just kind of look at it and look at me like, okay, what, what, what are we trying to accomplish here? Cause I, I wouldn't necessarily do that at this point in time. And so then I'd say, Hey, I'm trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And he said, he'll say, Oh, okay. I didn't, that, that makes sense. You know, this workout will absolutely accomplish that. That's not what I was thinking. Or then, then there've been some times where he's like, you know, asked a similar question and then 
I, I share it and he's like, well, have you thought about doing this? And then, no, I didn't think about that. Let's do that today. Um, and so it's, it's super fun, just a collaborative relationship. In fact, today we're going to do a workout this afternoon in a local park. That's, it was one of his staples at North Salem and we're going to, you know, modify it to, to where we are. And he's, he's going to lead the whole thing. He's going to deliver the workout. I'm going to take a back seat. And it's, it's awesome having an assistant who, who has the experience and really he, he's, he's one of the best coaches in the state. And I happen to have him as an assistant on a rebuilding program. It's, it's a huge, huge luxury. Um, yeah, I've been in conversations with coaches in the past several years, uh, statewide and, you know, the, the topic comes up like, Hey, who do you think the best coach in Oregon is? And we're all just kind of riffing and chatting, whatever. And, uh, I've heard his name come up more than once in those types of conversations before I even worked with him and people, you know, in the conversation didn't even know that we, we had been friends. So he's, uh, that's the kind of caliber of coach he is. And I'm, yeah, I'm just super lucky. Our, um, we have a second assistant. Her name is Abby McKenzie. She is, uh, she's a local, she went to McNary. She has, uh, she's worked with different organizations locally and has really good relationships with a lot of the community and a lot of our kids specifically on the team. Um, and in addition to that, she was on the staff last year with the previous coach, um, which <laughs> I'd suggest maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I, we, I had to have some conversations with her to, to try to convince her to stick around, um, you mm. know, because of her yeah. some of the experiences previously. And I'm super glad she did. Um, she doesn't have as much of a running background and she'd be the first one to say it. Um, but what she brings to the team is just, you know, a lot of positivity, a lot of um, uh, she's just more in tune with some of the athletes, uh, maybe not from the, the running side of things. And it's it's awesome. I I need somebody who has that perspective, um, both, you know, being on being a local, like knowing the community better than I do, but having the relationships with the kids really a female presence is something that's super important to me that I, I can't bring. Um, and so the three of us together, um, although we're still learning how we mesh together, it's only been we're more than like 12 weeks into this journey, but uh, I really, really am happy with this group that we have. Yeah. Well that sometimes the, the coaches who maybe are, are, don't have the same, you know, background and something like you're talking about. Sometimes I've found like those Coaches like that are super imperative to program success when they're more about, not that other coaches aren't, but when their main strength is like relationships and knowing kids. And, and sometimes I can, I can think back to multiple moments as a coach where some of our like best experiences as a team came to fruition because we had a coach who maybe didn't know baseball that great, but he at the right time brought a group of players together and said maybe the right thing or pulled the kid aside and said the right thing that had nothing to do really with the specifics of baseball, but everything to do with humans and understanding who these kids are. And it can make like all the difference. And so like, it's, it's kind of cool that you have on one side, Michael Herman, who I actually went to elementary, middle school and high school with, and I coached at North Salem at the same time he was coaching at North Salem, which ironically (laughs) was your first year at North Salem too, was my first year there. Um, But then also to have another coach like Abby is somebody who uh, can, can kind of focus on the other side and be more about relationships and about making sure that uh, I don't know that that there's a kind of a positive environment around things because I think sometimes we can get a little too wrapped up in the sports side of it and forget like hey these are kids like this is supposed to be a fun positive awesome experience for them bingo yeah and she's she's absolutely done that where I'm you know wrapped up in something running and trying to like ah oh, how do we make X Y and Z happen and you know she just will look at me like hey what do you, what do you mean? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And it's, it's fun where I, I just get to take a step back and process like, Oh yeah, good point. Like we should be focusing on something else right now. Like, why am I thinking, I mean, it's good to think ahead of course, but I, I, I just get two in my head sometimes. And she's uh, super good at making me take a step back and uh, thinking about what we're trying to accomplish, you know, in, in the moment. You had, you had mentioned a while back in our conversation, um, just kind of in passing, I think it was when you're talking about coming over to take over at McNary. And you said something along the lines of like, sometimes people don't understand or maybe people don't get what cross country is all about. And I think this is probably a good time to ask that question before we get any further. Um, you know, from the outside, just watching, you know, most of us look at it and go, well, it's, it's hell. Like you're, you're running right? <laughs> and you're running on uneven distances and for really long times. And uh, it's like, oh man, that looks not 
very fun. And, you know, so the first things that come to mind for me, like for, as an outsider, very outsider viewpoint is like, well, it's a lot of probably training people some mental things and how to overcome stuff. But uh, I'd much rather hear it from somebody who's actually been in the trenches for a long time with it. When you mentioned earlier that sometimes people don't understand what cross country is actually about, what is it about to you? Like if you were going to kind of phrase that in your own words. Oh man, I wish I had a concise answer. Um, you know, from the outside, it's, you know, we run, uh, we, we take a bunch of steps and we try to get there before the people in the other color jerseys. Like that's, that's ultimately what it boils down to on the competitive side of things. But, um, yeah, cross country to me. And again, I think this goes back to kind of my, my strength and what I bring. It's, it's about the community, about the people. Um, it's a sport that's, it's hard. You have to choose to want to be a part of it. And, um, you know, a lot of folks look at it as punishment, which I have beef with uh, elementary PE teachers everywhere treating running as a punishment. But uh, it's, it's an activity that we do that it, it inherently just brings people together. When you send kids out to go run for an hour or do this hard hill workout or whatever it is, and they're doing it together. And if you can get to the point where they're doing it for one another, um, it is just an absolutely beautiful experience. Um, cause when they're, you know, they're out there, they're suffering. There's no two ways about it. Like it's our sport is hard. It's challenging. And, uh, seeing the folks like lift each other up and, and celebrate each other when, when something special happens, it's, uh, whether it's, you know, finishing one more rep than we thought we could, or, you know, it's a big PR in a race. So it's passing somebody that was, you know, influential in the team score that, you know, caused us to win or, or whatever the case may be. Um, that's, that's the beauty in the sport. It's, it's the, the, the team side of things, um, where it's funny, we're often looked at as, as an individual sport. We're called the individual sport our state association recognizes us as an individual sport. So we have different regulations or whatever, but I'd suggest, uh, cross country is the ultimate team sport. Um, it has an individual component for sure, but it's, it's the ultimate team sport. It's how, how well can you work together? Um, on race day and, and complement each other and you know whether you're the number one runner or the number seven if you're the number one be the best number one on the day if you're the number seven be the best number seven in the field on the day and um it's yeah it, it's much bigger than just running and whoever has the fastest pr coming into the race automatically wins um yeah there's there's just it, it goes deeper than that from, from a really basic standpoint, because obviously the real answer is going to be way more complex. Um, when you're thinking about like strategy for cross country, you know, a lot of people that would go to those events and me when I first started going, like I said, my wife's brother runs cross country. So the first few times you go and you've never seen cross country before, it just looks kind of like people are running, right? It's like, oh, they're just running. And then when you start watching closer, you're like, okay, this this one team, let's say Lincoln High School, they're all running as a pack right now. That's interesting. And then, you know, a few laps later, all of a sudden they've kind of separated and, and things change. And so um, for people who maybe don't understand all of that, can you just give a brief like, you know, what's the strategy like when you're, OK, we're going to run tomorrow uh, in, a, in a meet. What's our strategy? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, great question. And there's so many variables like you mm-hmm. suggested. Um, so it depends on the course. It depends on the weather on the day. It depends on the conditions of the course. It depends on the athletes you have, the, the opponents you're racing. Um, it could be something as simple as like, Hey, let's go out at, you know, X pace for the first mile, the first mile and a half. And then, um, you really then look at who's around you, who, who's in that pack with you. And then treat the second half of the race as like, that's, that's your race. You only care about those four or five runners and you're going to beat them to the finish line. And you know, that's, there's, you know, a simple strategy for like a, a freshman or whatever. Um, and then maybe on the more competitive side of things, um, you know, you know, the course that you're on and what you're trying to accomplish. So like maybe after uh, a particular hard portion of the course, maybe there's a big hill and, you know, you have to work hard up the hill. All of your opponents have to work hard up the hill. And then once you get to the top, like you put a big surge in, uh, you know, even though you don't want to, you, you decided ahead of time, like I'm going to do this type of thing uh, because maybe my opponents won't want to. And then there's, there's, there's a mental game being played there you know that you can't maintain that, you know, that pace on the surge or whatever, but your opponents don't know that they just think you're stronger because you did the thing that they really didn't want to do at that point in time. Um, you know, so having fun playing, you know, playing with stuff like that. Um, there's different races have different emphases too. Um, you know, we're going to treat 
you know, a dual meet in our league different than we do an invite on the weekend, which is different than a conference championship and um, different number of teams in the race, you know, that impacts how we, how we might approach things as well. Um, I don't feel like it did a great job answering that question. <laughs> I think you did. I think, and it's interesting too, you know, like football, basketball coaches can call timeout. Um, they can call plays. I'm thinking like baseball, I can change pitchers. I can, you know, pinch hit with guys. Um, once a cross country race starts, that wheel is in motion and there's no, there's no stopping it. There's no pausing it. So as a coach, once the meet starts, once the race starts, um, what's the right way to ask it? how do you influence the outcome? Like at that point, is it just, well, it's in the athlete's hands. Are there things that you're saying to athletes, like running alongside them for a second as they're passing you? Like what is your input once that race has started? Yeah, I, I definitely engage with them while they're, while they're on the course. And um, again, more variables depends on the athlete, depends on the course, depends how accessible it is for coaches, et cetera. But um, so for example, at our meet on, on Friday night, we're up at Wilsonville high school. It's called the night meet. It's an iconic race. There's, you know, 50 plus schools that come out and everybody's opening up their season there and it's on their high school campus. So if you look at the map of the course, you'd say like, Hey, this is really boring, but the atmosphere that's created is, is super special. So it, it loops around kind of their softball, baseball, um, fields and, and comes back onto the track. And so during this race, there's, there's two fields that it loops around. So after the race takes off, for example, Michael and I, we, you know, watch the first lap on the track and then we run up these stairs, up and over the bleachers, back into their, um, uh, the, where their softball fields are, softball, baseball fields. And he's on one field. I'm on the other. We don't even see each other, but we know like the kids are going to catch my loop and then they're going to go on his side. Then they're coming back my way. And so we're, we're keeping an eye on what's going on. Like, okay our number three is right behind, you know, this pack of kids in green jerseys from X school. And then where are they going to be when they come back by? And so it's, it might be something as simple as saying like, Hey, run with this pack. You belong here. Or it might be something like, Hey, you're hunching over. Like you're really tired, stand up big and tall, you know, believe or whatever it is. Or sometimes it's, Hey, we're really early in the race. You need to slow down right now. Like you're, you're going a little bit too aggressive for, for where we are. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of coaching that can happen mid race. Um, sometimes, you know, coaches will just be totally hands off after the gun goes off. And, um, you know, that's, that's fair too. That's just a different style, but I like to be, um, on the course kind of in their face, like talking with them, um, and we, we rehearse some of it too, uh, with certain athletes on certain courses, I'll tell them, Hey, I'm going to be at the mile and this is what I'm going to ask you. And here are three potential responses that are, you know, one word responses so that, you know, because they're running and they can't have a conversation, um, and their response to, you know, my question or whatever I'm saying will influence the advice I give them moving forward. Um, for, so like, for example, at this last race, they're, they're coming into this like section with one, two, three, there's like four right, like hard right angle turns within like 150 meters. It's a stupid part of the course. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Everybody slows down and whatever. So I'm catching my athletes right before that section. And, you know, I'm looking at their faces and I, you kind of know their answer before you ask the question based on their facial expressions. Like, Hey, how you feeling? And at a few of that were like, I'm feeling great. And I said, okay, hammer these turns. Like everybody's going to slow down. Nobody wants to take the lead of this pack right now. Mm. And, you know, with my guys and then like, go be that dude. Right. And you just try to try to fire them up a little bit. And then on the other side of things, I had some athletes that said like, I'm not feeling good right now. I went out, you know, they're not saying all this, but you know, I went out too hard. And so with them, I'm not saying hammer these turns. It's like, okay, stick with this pack, regroup a little bit. And I'm going to catch you on this next loop. Uh so yeah, a lot, a lot can be accomplished and, and some of it we, we talk about ahead of time. Some of it is, uh, you know, as a race develops, something comes up that maybe we didn't chat about and I need to get to X spot so that I can, I can communicate some information, whether it's, um, you know, Hey, the athlete that you thought you had beaten is actually gaining ground on you. And we, we need to dial in and focus so we can maintain this lead or, that athlete who's ahead of you that you thought had beaten you is, is really starting to crumble. They, they're in over their heads 
And if we focus, we can go catch them, even though you can't see them right now because we're in the middle of the woods or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so communicating information, um, but also, yeah, different strategies, different parts of the different courses. Yeah, you'd, you'd mentioned earlier about how, um, I guess, like, there's this shared part of running, especially when you talked about when you when you got into ultra marathoning and this kind of community. And then obviously within a cross country team, and I think anybody who teaches in high schools kind of understands this, that cross country kids tend to be a really like cohesive group. And obviously part of that's, I'm sure, through the shared experience of running cross country together. But then also you'd mentioned, you know, that you feel like some of your strengths are um, kind of on the team and culture side. So when you've taken over at McNary, not only what you've done so far, what you're thinking about doing now, and then also long term, like where you're trying to take this thing, what are some of the ways that you're either doing or planning on doing things to help kind of create that team and culture that you ultimately kind of envision McNary being? Yeah, um, a big part of it was putting in a summer program and just meeting all summer long and knowing like, hey, it's a hot day and we're doing this and this mm-hmm. is going to make us better. And, you know, at first, like I got a lot of, I got some pushback, like what? We have to run in the summer? It's really hot. It's summer. <laughs> um, you know, 9.30 practices, I, I should still be in bed. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so just kind of building that consistency and, um, you know, little things. Like I haven't been late a single time yet. Every single time I've been at a session, I've been wearing a McNary t-shirt or a McNary hat, like demonstrating like, Hey, I'm all in on this space. Like I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, bringing, bringing the, some of the passion that I have and and communicating that, letting them know, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm super into this. And you know, that, that stuff's contagious. And, you know, those things we do in the classroom too. If you're not excited about the algebra one you're teaching, then why should the 30 kids in the room be excited about the algebra one that you're teaching? Um, so just bring in some of that genuine excitement and, uh, and passion to the sport. Um, some, some other stuff, like I, I got them a whole bunch of swag, um, before I even mm-hmm. met them. Like once I, I got hired, I, you know, kind of looked at what the, the existing budget was and ordered a whole bunch of t-shirts. I, um, I made a, a t-shirt specific for everybody who came out for the summer. You got this gray t-shirt with our, our logo on it. And then once we got in season on the first I've been the first day of practice. I, everybody got a, a blue like dry fit type of shirt with, with our logo on it that we wear every Monday when we're, we're together. And then for meet days, we have a different shirt that we wear um, that it's a cotton shirt that we can wear to school, but we also wear it for warmups at meets and whatever. Um, and so just getting this stuff on them um, and getting, yeah, getting the swag. And I, I have a postseason shirt that I've already ordered for them. And, you know, they don't know it yet because we're not there yet. And it's the same, you know, the same logo, but it's, it's a black long sleeve shirt that we're going to show up in when we get to the postseason. And uh, just, yeah, showing them that there's there's purpose behind what we're doing. And maybe it's cheesy. That's that's fine. I can I can own that. Um, you know, cheesy can it's only cheesy until it becomes tradition. And uh, that's that's something I'm, you know, working on developing and um you know, other things too is just sharing, like I said, sharing some of the history of sport, but also sharing, um, I don't know how to say it, like just our, our sport on a bigger stage to them, like go into that Wilsonville night meet where there's 50 plus schools racing, zero kids had ever been in an environment like that. And that was just our first race of the season. You know, everybody came back on Monday saying like, Hey, I'm or uh, Saturday morning. We had a long run and like, Hey, I'm tired, but that was really fun. Um, and that's, you know, that's the exact reaction I'm, I wanted. And we're, we're going to go to some big meets that, you know, maybe we don't belong in on paper in terms of how competitive we are, but I want them in this environment. I want them to, you know, there's, there's music and food trucks and t-shirts and just, you know, thousands of excited people about people excited about our sport, what we're doing. Um, you know, it's, it's much bigger than, than us. I think swag is one of the lowest hanging fruits that coaches can take advantage of to help make a culture what you want it to be. Because once you start, like you said, especially even like the first one you said, especially having a sh- even something as simple as a shirt and you can get them for pretty cheap uh, that players have earned or runners have earned just for showing up to like workouts. Like this is a cool, this is yours. You earned this through this. I think giving them shirts on the first day was a really, probably really smart move of like, you've earned this from being here right now 
today. This is just one day of work that you've done. You get this shirt now moving forward, the postseason shirt. Um, I think one of the coolest things, I'm, what am I in year? I guess this is year seven now at, at South coaching baseball. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things for me now is been doing it just long enough to where now there's like teachers and office staff and parents and there's cars with stickers on them. There's like, I find the Saxon baseball logo everywhere now, like every day, not just with our guys, but with like people who really don't have much to do with our program or just in different places. And it, it's really cool because it creates this culture that other people want to be a part of. So when a kid shows up as a freshman, they already kind of know about Saxon baseball, even if they don't know about it, just because they've seen it and they've been they, they understand that they're part of something a little bit bigger than just themselves. And so I, I don't want to underplay that. You, you know, it, it might be a little bit cheesy, but like you said, it's not cheesy once it becomes tradition and then it's just kind of a cool thing. Oh, bingo. This is, yeah, so I'm big on, on the, the branding side of things. And I don't, there should be a better word for it, but that's, uh, that's the word I have for it. Um, yeah, which I, so I stole this, I, it was however many years ago, four or five years ago, I, I went and shadowed um, uh, a practice at, it was then Wilson High School. It's had to be Wells now with uh, their head coach is Thor Espeson. He's, he's awesome. He's been super influential in my journey as well. But uh, I were at his practice session and I noticed every kid in the room had a Wilson cross country or track and field shirt on and they were all different shirts. Yeah. And so after like, that was, that was just noticeable. My, my kids weren't doing that at the time. And so I asked him like, how, how, do, how do you make that happen? Like what's, what's going on here? And, you know, he, re- you know, just said, Hey, I buy a whole bunch of them. And I, I just, I get our shirts on kids and, you know, it, we take a little bit of a hit financially, but he's like, it's absolutely worth it. Um, and so I took that idea and I've run with it and, um, yeah, just getting, getting our shirts on kids. And like you said, getting, getting our shirts on staff and I, uh, I got stickers made, I have wristbands made, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, our wristband has kind of our team mantra on the inside of it. And you, it's one of those, like, you wouldn't know unless you know, I had to point it out to them. And we do a thing like after you run for a day, you put your wristband on the other wrist. So it's kind of like you, you switch hands every day just as a little visual cue like yeah i got my workout in today and um things like that i oh so something fun you talked about you know stickers and whatnot i just yesterday i was walking through our parking lot and i saw a car i don't know whose it is and it had one of our mcnary cross-country stickers on the back there you go and it's the first time i'd seen that and so you know i got excited and i I ran over i I snapped a picture of it um i was gonna send it to my wife like hey check this out and then in the back seat, they have their 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 team backpack sitting there too. So it's kind of a uh, maybe it's a creepy shot. I took a picture inside of a kid's car, but I had the sticker, <laughs> and then I had the, the team backpack right there. And it was it was cool. Like I, I still don't know whose that was, but whoever's this was, you know, that kid's in. Like they're they're dialed in, yeah. and um, that was if nothing else, it was affirming for me. It's uh, it, it felt it felt good to see that. And that's infectious too, because now another kid's going to see that car with that sticker on it. And if they're old enough to drive and they have a car, they're going to want to put a sticker on theirs. And if they're not old enough to drive yet, as soon as they are, guess what they're going to want to put on their car? The McNary cross country sticker. Like, and so it's this cool, like repeatable thing that goes forever that continues to build this culture, this sense of belonging that, like I said earlier, I think cross country does really inherently well, better than any other sport, because there's just, I don't know, there's just this shared shared thing about running that I, I think people like me who aren't runners will never maybe fully understand. We can only kind of grasp it in our minds, but um, it's, it's something pretty special. Uh, we haven't even gotten into track and field and maybe this <laughs> is a conversation we'll have, you know, bring you back on at the end of track and field next year, because I, I didn't want to make you try to focus too much on it because you're, you're working deep in cross country, obviously right now. Um, but you said something a long time ago where you said when you, you, you know, you went back to Santa Barbara, they, they, you just kind of decided you were the head coach down there. Um, yeah. And you, you said, you know, there's, if you could go back, there's some things you might've done differently. So now as someone who's been around for a little while, you've, you've been around a lot of really good coaches too. And obviously you've had a lot of success yourself. Um, what are one or two of those things that if you could go back and kind of tell that younger Josh, like, Hey, you should probably do this or this differently. What would those things be? Um, I think just on, on a personal level, I, I, I really wanted to be known as the coach. I, I took offense when people would um, 
so I, I have, I still have kind of a baby face, but I don't get confused for an athlete as much anymore. But at the time, you know, at, or parents would come up to me or coaches would come up to me from opposing schools and ask me where my coach was or whatever. Mm. And so I really like, I tried to look like a coach. I tried to, you know, my shirt said, you know, DP coach on it or whatever. And ah, that was yeah. just such a big emphasis. And it was just a, it was a dumb pride thing. And I'm, I'm glad I got over it. Um, at the same time, I guess I'm glad I went through it because I can look back and be like, Hey, that was dumb. Um, not that coaches shouldn't have coach on their shirt. I just, my, my reasoning for doing it was poor. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was too interested in being known as the head coach, uh, trying to, I don't know, taking myself too seriously or something. I don't know what it was. Um, so there's that, uh, I, I just have a better understanding of training, uh, of how to, how to be around high school kids, uh, as simple as that sounds. Um, we, I don't feel like I, I set some of the athletes up for as much success as we could have in terms of getting them in the right races or, um, you know, some of the training we could have done differently. Some of the, the environments, like we had a cool course on our campus that we could have taken advantage of more. Um, even like things like being, um, uh, humanizing myself more, telling more of my story to, mm -hmm. to people. Uh, that's something I, I feel really strongly about both in the classroom and, and within coaching, like, um, I, not at McNary yet. Like we're still, still new here, but like, they're going to know my story. They're going to know my upbringing those who care to listen. Um, and just humanizing myself versus othering myself. So it's kind of the, the pendulum in the other direction of where, where I was at DP. Um, just cause when we, when we know each other's story, when we're a part of each other's story, there's just inherent, like we're just closer as a community and that's going to turn into to stronger runners, but that's, it's, it's deeper than that. I don't do it just because I want kids to run fast. I want them to have this positive experience. And part of that is, you know, being a little bit vulnerable with each other. My story is not a pretty one that, that I share with them, but it's, it's, it's a real one. Um, and uh, yeah, I find a lot of value in that. So I think the biggest switch was I tried to, I tried to separate myself from the athletes, whereas now I try to mesh with the athletes and, um, I don't know that I've ever put that in such words, but I think I like that. <laughs> I do too. I was, and you actually answered it. I was going to ask you a follow-up no matter what your answer was of, do you think you needed to go through that in order to become this current coach? Or do you think, and you answered that during it, which was, of course, you did need to go through that to kind of understand who you needed to be now, which is, um, I think advice a lot of us need to probably take but it's probably more important for us to just kind of go through it ourselves where especially if you end up coaching when you're really young because I think we all have that feeling of like oh I need to make sure people know I'm I'm the coach and I'm important and create that separation and then like all of us I think you go through this transition where you realize that no you just be yourself and that's that's what your players need that's what the student athletes need that's what the students in your class need and um now, I think most of us probably need to live through that. And even though people give us the advice all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And yeah, just demonstrating for me, like one of the big things is demonstrating like that I'm with them. I, I don't need a different shirt. Like when we go to meets, I wear the same shirts that the athletes wear. And I even, I, I put these shirts on our parents. So like, we're all, we're one big community versus, you do this and you do this and you do this. And we're all, you know, we're all under the umbrella of McNary, but we're all, you know, slightly different and sure we have different roles, but we're all together and things like that. I think, are, I think it's super, it's a, it's a powerful little statement. Yeah. Little message that's inherent and people don't necessarily think about, but um, I think it just kind of implicitly gets implied to everybody. So um, Josh, thank you for coming on before, before we shut down, I wanted to give the mic to you one more time. If there's anything, I don't know, you think we missed or any, anything we left on the table or shout outs or whatever you want to do, but just kind of hand the mic to you one more time. Oh man. Uh, just thanks for what you do. I've, um, had a lot of fun listening to to the pod to i mean of course i dig through all the track and field cross country um coaches first when i went through your catalog but learning from other coaches has been a lot of fun um i've stolen some ideas from the things i've heard folks talk about um on the podcast whether it's i mean the big one that comes to mind is uh jason retz um i haven't even told him this yet i will 
but uh, I didn't know that he did this. He does the the paper shredder things when his kids run a yeah. PR. And um, so after our Friday's race, I went out, I got a paper shredder, I got a bunch of index cards and um, I'm doing the same thing. And uh, again, that's another thing that's, you know, it's cheesy till it's not. And uh, I, I think it's awesome. So uh, that, that part of our program that I anticipate being part of our program for the next 10, 20 years, however long, you know, I'm doing this, um, that came because of that conversation that you had with Rhett's. And so, um, yeah, you just do a really cool thing and I, I'm super appreciative. Uh, that's humbling. That's cool. That's one of the coolest parts of this thing is that, um, and I've said this before, but it's, it's kind of like teaching. We get stuck in our classroom and as an English teacher, I have no idea what the math teacher down the hall is doing in his class, but there might be something in there that I could implement in my English class and really change myself and change students. And it's, it's the same thing in sports. We get stuck in our own worlds. And, you know, what could a volleyball coach possibly teach me? Well, there's probably something really important that the volleyball coach is doing that I could implement on a baseball diamond and, and would work really well with my kids. So um, it's been a really cool experience for me, too. And I, I, I'm sure you'll kind of serve that for somebody else down the line. And and around and around we go, just like the Don Burgers of the world have, have done for a lot of us. And uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I, I, I'm excited for McNary and, and the direction that you'll take not only their cross-country program, but track and field, which, like I said, we'll have to get on and talk about again someday. So um, good luck uh, as you dive into the season. And uh, thanks again. Hey, thanks so much, Max. Appreciate you. Josh is off to a phenomenal start at McNary High School, and I am super excited to have him here locally and to watch his program grow just up the road in the years to come. If you aren't signed up yet for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this or any previous episode, share it on social media, uh, send it to someone in an email, or just tell somebody about it. It doesn't matter how you do it. Find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Christensen for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking the play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do, and as Coach Lee would say, loving you.